Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 77, Snowpiercer Movie Review. Chris McBrien, that's Yancey Eden, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Yancey, I have a lot of things to get through. Do you mind if I just jump right into things this week? Uh, not at all. I would just like to say hello from Florida. Uh, greetings. And uh, why don't you kick us off with uh, all the banter you got to talk I about? I have a bunch of stuff that I, I made some notes of things I want to go through. Number one, the 2018 Podcast Awards, Yancey, are now open for nominations. And I wanted just to mention, if anybody out there, if you're listening to the show, hopefully that means you enjoy the show. That's maybe why you're listening. And if you do, Yancey and I actually just have a little bit of an ask. And we're just wondering if you could take one minute out of your day, go to podcastawards.com and you just click the nominate and you just follow through the process. They'll show you how to do it. You just sign up. It's free. And just to make sure that it's you, they send you a little code and then you can nominate all your favorite podcasts if they're reg- if they're qualified for the different categories. And we were hoping that you can go to podcastawards.com and nominate Pop Goes Your World in the entertainment category. And, you know, that's it. It takes a minute. Go do it. Nominate Pop Goes Your World in the entertainment category. We'll be forever in your debt. They actually, Yancey, call it the Rob has a podcast entertainment category. I think because his show won mm-hmm. a bunch of years in a row. So they just named the category after the guy because he was just so good at you know winning that category. But uh, yeah, and while you're there, you know, while you're there and you nominate, hopefully Pop Goes Your World in the entertainment uh, category, there's a couple of our friends that are also, you know, eligible. And I was, well, I want to give them a shout out. Movies Unhacked is a show I really, really like to listen to. And uh, I say, you know, if you can consider them in TV and film. Uh, our good buddies, Yancey, over at Friends with Fantasy Benefits are up in the sports category, so maybe give them a nom. And over in the mm-hmm. People's Choice Award, the Sleeper in the Bust. Some, Many of our good friends are there. There's Paul Sporer and Justin Mason, Jason Klett, and Sammy's been a guest on that show before too, hasn't he? Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so consider those guys when, you, when you're at pop, uh, thepodcastawards.com. Uh, so a couple, let, me, let, me, let me just yeah. say this really quickly. Sure. We were nominated last year. We were named as finalists, which took you and I both by surprise. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's no money in this. There's no incentive oh. other than the fact that it helps grow the show. Yes. It, it turns a lot of other people who normally wouldn't listen to it onto it. And if there's one thing I love, it's stroking that fat ego. Oh, my, my, my. I love it. I <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I love stroking that fat ego. So uh, it's like, like I know we both uh, we're talking about this off air in the past, Chris. Like, like I mentioned, uh, it upticks and downloads. It, it exposes new people to the podcast. It, it it helps kind of build more of an audience, and uh, that may seem like really superficial to a lot of people who are just listening to this, you know, purely for entertainment. But um, it just helps out in so many different ways, and uh, it, it helps us. You know, deliver our show better because uh, once you have a, a broader audience, you're not just catering to like a smaller, uh, you know, portion of people. It becomes a more worldly and and, pro- and progressive podcast. You get a lot more different uh, viewpoints and more feedback, and and overall, it just becomes a better show. So, um, I don't mind shilling. You don't mind shilling. You know, license to shill. We will shill for this podcast award. It felt awesome being nominated. I would love to win it this year. So, if you guys could do that, I would be so happy. Not very, say, but uh, I'm sorry I interjected, but what no else problem. you got for Very, us? very good words. Very good. I like that. Uh, so a couple mm-hmm. things uh, personally I wanted to bring up at the top of the show, and it's all pop culture, pop culture related, so it's all good. Okay. So uh, this weekend I had a little bit of spare time. My wife went away to go spend uh, some time with a good friend of hers. So I had the boys, and as I mentioned on the show before, I have a five-year-old son and a nine-year-old son. And so I took them to Canada's Wonderland. And uh, yes, you guys have Disneyland in Florida, right? Uh, actually, we have Disney World. Oh, sorry, Disneyland Disney is in California. So you have Disney yeah, we World. We have the OG Disney, yes. Oh, you have the OG. Yeah, correct. Uh, so it, it, Canada's Wonderland is kind of like Canadian Disney World, you know? But I guess instead of the Pirates of the Caribbean, though, we, we like club baby seals and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's all good. It's Canadian. Uh, so anyway, so I took the boys there and there's this there's this comic book store right across the road from Canada's Wonderland uh, down just north of Toronto. And so I took my son in there. And so I go in and I mentioned on the show before that the comic books I like are like the funny ones. Like I like Richie Rich and stuff like that. Right. So I go in there and I talk to this guy and this guy has like endless aisles and boxes of every comic you can ever imagine so we go in there and my son and i are like hey do you have any richie rich comics and this is a reaction i've gotten from many people because sometimes they're like you know like oh richie rich that's that's dumb you know what i mean like you're supposed to like 
Spider-Man and Superman and X-Men and, you know, and all that stuff. You know, Richie Rich, that's for kids. That's for, you know, or, you know, and, and so anyway, so I asked him about Richie Rich. He's like, oh, yeah, come here. And he pulls out this huge box and he's like, hey, man, it's not cool to like this stuff. But I'll tell you, that was my favorite comic book when I was a kid, too. I'm like, yes, everyone keeps telling me that. So we went through and I got all these Richie Rich comics and I bought them all. Here's a note to all the dads out there that are doing this kind of stuff for their kids. When you buy a whole crap load of comic books for your kids, throw away the receipt. Because my wife comes home and I'm in the other room and she comes walking in and she goes, She's going to find out. You spent 50 <laughs> bucks on Richie Rich comics. What the hell? And I'm like, what? It's Richie Rich comics. What? Like, she's like, why did you spend so much money on these comic books? And I'm like, well, they were from like 1978 and 79. Like, those are the two prime years for Richie Rich. Like, I couldn't say no. She's like, it's not his birthday. It's not Christmas. Why are you spending 50 bucks on old 70s comic books? She just doesn't get it. I tell you. But anyway, so that was pretty funny. And then uh, after we went to Wonderland and uh, the Richie Rich comic book store, we came home mm-hmm. and I decided that I was going to spend the night watching Star Wars. And my youngest son is five. I've he's, heard of it. He's never seen it, right? And so my nine-year-old and I, we've watched it like a dozen times together. And so my youngest is like, I want to watch Star Wars now too, Daddy. I'm ready to watch it. I'm like, okay, great. So we kick up 1977 Star Wars. We put it in. And he's watching what half an hour. He goes, oh, yeah, I don't like this. I don't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and so is this basically a call to the listeners to adopt your son? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so funny because my nine-year-old, <laughs> exactly, I got to give him away. My my nine-year-old, like he was like me. So when, when I, and I've mentioned this before on the show, 1977, I'm seven years old. I'm in the theater. I watch Star Wars. It changes my life. When that Star Destroyer comes in overhead in that opening shot, I lost my mind. Like I was just, I lost my mind. I was just like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And my son was the same way, my nine-year-old. He watched, he watched it and he's like, oh my God, daddy, this is the coolest thing ever. And it just went from there. My five-year-old, I put it on. I said, I'm all excited. I'm all snuggled up to him. I put it on, turn off the lights. We put it on. The Star Destroyer comes overhead. He could care less. He's like, oh, yeah, I just want to get something to eat. I'm like, what? You know, so luckily I got the other one. So that's uh, that's the interesting thing there. And the other thing that I wanted to mention, I got a whole bunch of stuff, I, like I said, I want to mention. The other thing I want to say thank you, Yancy, because you told me, we, 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 you know, we obviously, we podcast, but we also listen to podcasts too. I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. of podcasts. And you told me about one called Slow Burn. And you said, Correct. Dude, dude, you got to listen to this podcast. It's about Watergate. And so I'm just fascinated by politics, as you know, and especially Watergate and especially what's going on now in the United States. And uh, so I listened to this show. I listened to the first four or five episodes. Oh, my God, is it ever good? That's a good recommendation, Yancy. I really like I am, it. I am really surprised because, you know, I podcasts, they take time. And I know, like you, you've mentioned, you know, with your commute and stuff, you only have a certain amount of time that you can – just like plug in and listen to something separately and you know podcasting and talking about Watergate isn't something you know that's exactly kid friendly or kid enjoyable so the fact that you actually like set some site like some time aside and actually listen to it I'm I'm pretty impressed I'm glad that you liked it I knew it's one of those things where I know you've probably experienced this a lot Chris when you're recommending like pop culture to other people where you're like listen you have to see it because you know if they actually take the time and 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 invest in it they will enjoy it but it's trying to get people you know to get on board in the first place that's where the friction always arises but um i'm, I'm glad that you listened to it i'm glad that you liked it did you listen to all the episodes in the in the the, the show not yet i i think i'm still on the third episode okay um, I've listened, it's one I, of those things where i don't like most podcasts i listen to on like one and a half x or two x speed right. but i i want to actually listen to that like a little bit I uh, I think I'm on episode five, and I just got through a little the bit driving of driving or anything like that. So um. right, right. Sorry, um, I I'm on about episode five, yeah. and I'm really really enjoying it. And um, I just I, I'm finding it fascinating because, as I mentioned, like I, I was I don't know if I ever told you I was a political science major in university, and um, so mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by politics and. The parallels to what's happening now with Watergate are just so evident right from the beginning. When it started, things started coming out about what was going on in in your country. I'm like, this is just like Watergate. It's just the exact same thing, right? And the parallels are unbelievable. And that's what he's drawing, you know, some of the, he's connecting the dots there in the podcast. Like even the fact that, you know, like when Watergate first came out, nobody cared. Lots of people still supported Nixon. They were like, ah, it's just a witch hunt. They're just after him. And meanwhile, like you realize there's a lot more going on than you thought. The parallels are just so incredibly, um, you know, they're just so strong to what's happening now. I just, I find it mm-hmm. so, oh, it's just an engaging, engaging show. And the, and the, and the host of it has a, a definitely an engaging manner. So anyway, lots of stuff to talk about. But the real reason why we're here is our movie this week. So are you ready to get started? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. 
I don't get excited about seeing a girl topless in a movie. Oh no, she was gonna make a pot for me. Oh my god, breasts are terrible. Women's bodies are disgusting. What school do you go to? You know, this is the culture that I'm, I've grown up in now, where I'm more aware of what was acceptable at the time and what people laughed at is different than what they laugh at now. That makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Mm-hmm. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Like I don't personally get offended by anything. I th- we are going to die. I hate to sound like the morality police or anything like that, but fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Okay, so this week it was over to you, Yancey. You got to nominate a movie, uh, and you did. You nominated uh, 2013's Snowpiercer. So would you like to start things off and just maybe explain a little bit about why you picked that movie, why 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 you love that movie so much, what it means to you? Like, why did you go with Snowpiercer? Go ahead. Okay, so first off, I... We, we need to have a little bit of a discussion. Um, so this movie, I, I enjoyed a lot, and it is very much in the, in the same ilk as all the other movies that I always recommend to you outside of maybe The Lion King. Uh, it's it's dystopian. It's based in the future. Um, it's, it's dark. It's ominous. It's painting worst-case scenarios. And I really like this movie, and I'm not, um, I'm not backing off of that. I think it's fantastic. Like, if you go on Rotten Tomatoes right now, it has, like, a 95%. It is, it is a critically acclaimed genuinely good movie in my opinion um however i i got into a, a little bit of a twitter discussion not not tons of back and forth but uh our buddy nathan who is you know one of my best friends one of my best podcast friends that i've had and um you know he's been on multiple shows and i've been on his podcast he's you know nathan is an amazing guy but he brought now, now just for like, our listeners i should say it's it's nate dawkin who is yeah. the the co-host of the nasty cast right that you're the nasty about. cast yeah. good Correct. guy yes. great guy um yeah, so he he mostly does fantasy baseball content, um, which I know a lot of our audience is just rolling their eyes every time they hear us mention fantasy baseball because that is the nichest of niche uh, interests. But um, you know he's he's a really intelligent guy, and he he listens and watches and and takes in lots of pop culture. And uh, one of the things he said, um, he he tweeted. I mean, he's like he's like you know great movie suggestion. He's like, but all these movies are kind of the same thing, or they're like in the same realm, the same category, like. Um, basically challenged the idea that, you know, I'm, I'm I'm giving us the same thing every single week. And I, I started thinking about it. My first instinct was almost to be like defensive and basically to tell them, you know, like go pound sand. You know, it, it's it's mine and Chris's podcast and I can recommend whatever movies I want. Like that's the whole point. But then the more I thought about it, it was almost like a me a couple on my part where um, it's not just about that. Uh, because if it were just about me talking about movies that I wanted to talk about, it would be a one person show and it wouldn't be you pushing stuff to me, it would just be, hey, let's watch Yancey's movies. Um, the whole idea is to kind of, you know, broaden your horizons and be exposed to different things. And, um, you know, falling into like this genre of like the dystopian sci-fi, uh, you know, that that, that whole uh, scene, it, it's almost like a crutch for me because I feel comfortable talking about it. And it's something that I do personally like. Um, but I, I will be making a conscious effort more in the future to kind of branch out a little bit more. And I think that um, I, I think you might actually appreciate that because I think there is a little bit of fatigue. And, you know, you, you joke around, but I'm sure you've you've kind of felt that, too. Like, hey, it kind of feels like we're doing like a retread of the same type of movie week in and week out every time you nominate something. So um, that's a long winded way of saying that um, I'm open to that type of critique. I think it's fair. Um, and the more I think about it, the more I, I do want to start branching out and bringing more suggestions that are a little bit more varied to the podcast. So look out for that in the future. Um, unfortunately, though, we already decided on this movie, so we're going to talk about it, and it is one of my personal favorites. Um, it is a, it's a really smart movie, Chris. It came out in 2013. Um, this is the same guy that wrote and directed The Host, which I don't know if you saw that. Um, I saw it. Or I've saw it. Just listen to me. Um, I've seen it before. Um, it is just a really interesting kind of a metaphor for class struggle and free will and society, and I just thought it was really interesting, a, a really interesting premise of a bunch of people basically being stuck on a train and that's it they're literally on a train and it's it's a self-contained environment the self-contained world um i'm really curious about what your thoughts are on this i i feel like you're going to go immediately towards the i understand what they're saying and i know that you're going to be able to articulate everything that they're trying to say but my heart tells me that you're still going to think it's dumb so what so what did you think about snowpiercer let me start by saying uh nate dawkin is my new best friend (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I've been saying that since the beginning. Yeah, see, I'm like, what? Another dystopian future? Remember, every time I tell you, like, my every week, will be like, my wife will say, "What movie do we ha- do you have to watch for the podcast this week?" And I'll like, and I'll tell her, and then she immediately goes on to IMDb. In a dystopian world, she's like, "My God, another one!" I'm like, "I know." Like, it's like every week, it's the same thing. So I think Nate Dawkins did say it best because uh, yeah, yeah, I remember him. He was like, "Yancy, how about nominating a film that 
you know, doesn't take place in space or doesn't have to do with a dystopian future. And so I like Nate. Mm-hmm. Nate's a good guy. And that's fair. That, yep. that is fair. You know, like your first your, your first instinct is always to be on the defensive. But then yep. I was like, actually, he's 100 percent correct. And you, you have to think like we're not just doing this for ourselves. We are doing this because we have listeners who want to enjoy this. So it might actually be for the better of the entire listenership if I do mix it up a little bit. But I, what else were you saying, Chris? No, I was just going to say I've been podcasting now for six years. And throughout the, 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 that period of time, I've received a lot of negative feedback. Let me tell you, it's all good. And that's the stuff that immediately it, it kind of hurts right away because you almost want to get defensive. And then that's been the best feedback that I've ever gotten. Not that I'm saying that people should give me more negative yep. feedback. I get lots of it. But it was just that when I, when I get the <laughs> negative feedback, it's like, oh, you know what? There's some, there's some truth to that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this too much or I'm not doing that. Especially when I first mm-hmm. started, I was really raw and I was really, really, really crappy. And now it's the good crap, I guess, you know, it's, I'm still crappy, but it's better. So I understand like where you're at with that, but uh, it's definitely sometimes it's worth hearing. And, you know, hopefully that, uh, that'll change things up a little bit in terms of your movie choices as we go forward. So for that reason, I love you, Nathan Dawkins. Good work. Um, okay. I'm going to say this, Snowpiercer, it's a one-word movie title, and I think it deserves a one-word movie review. <laughs> Piercer. Yancey, uh, Yancey that's, oh, a, that's a reference to Spinal Tap, by the way. They did an album called Shark Sandwich. Remember, Marty DeBerge mentions the two-word review <laughs> sandwich. Um, oh, I, okay. Yeah. You know, uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I, I didn't like it. And, you know, it's funny. It started off at the beginning, and I thought, oh, there's a little bit of... There's a little bit of hope here. I thought, oh, this like there's some promise to this movie. When they took the guy's arm and they put it outside the train and froze it and then like smashed it. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I thought it was interesting when they came in and they started tearing the children away. And that hit a little bit close to home with what's going on. And, you know, in your country right now, Yancy. So it was the, the start of the movie I thought was promising. I thought, oh, there's there's something going on here. But then it just went downhill from there. Like it was just I don't even know where to start. Octavia Spencer is in it. I think. I like her. I, I think she's a very talented actress and she's literally slumming it in this movie. First of all, it's literally and figuratively because she's like dirty and living in filth and also because this movie is way beneath her. Um, and I know I'm I'm going to be in the minority on this because I've gone online. I've done the research. I've seen what people are saying about this movie. It's highly rated. It gets mm-hmm. great ratings. The critics love it. People love it. I didn't love it. I thought... Like I say, Octavia Spencer, I thought was she was just in the wrong movie. Chris Evans. So this is the interesting thing. So Chris Evans uh, comes in, and I think this guy has zero charisma. Like he's completely forgettable. And just as I'm thinking this, my wife turns to me and she says, "The only reason I'm still watching this movie is because of that hot guy." I'm like, okay, well, maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe he does have some charisma. But I just thought, oh, God, it just started off on the wrong thing. That CG, I'm sorry, the CGI stuff, man, I got to tell you. I And I know I'm the old man yelling at people to get off my lawn. But I, I mean, I just went back, as I said at the top of the show, just went back and watched 1977 Star Wars. And the special effects in the original Star Wars are just so unbelievably good. That the Star Destroyer coming in over the head, the planets, like just everything is just so, so right. And it really punches it up because the one that we watched was the special edition where they added in CGI crap. And every time there's CGI in the movie, it stands out like a sore thumb. It just yeah. looks wrong. It looks dumb. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because when I watch Snowpiercer, the CGI in it just throws me off the train. It looks all fake and dumb and then remember when those bugs were all getting shredded up for like those protein jello bars or whatever like the bugs are getting all mashed up they all look fake as hell like it had some lousy cgi going like i i can't see i mean i it, it wasn't like the rock in the scorpion king bad but i thought the cgi <laughs> in this movie was was really bad the movie overall the premise is just a rehash of stuff i've seen a bunch of times before i didn't feel it brought anything new and I thought, like, I felt, and I maybe this was a thematically what they were trying to do. Like, those people are trapped in this train. I felt like I was trapped in there with them for two hours. And it's two hours of my life that I will never get back. I really didn't like this movie. I'm sorry. Uh, man, what, what does one say to that? That was such a succinct takedown of my movie. <laughs> um, oh, I've got more. Oh, I've got more. Don't worry. 
Oh, I, I I know you do. I'm I'm just trying to think of like how can I like formulate like any sort of rebuttal. Like like what we have here is a failure to communicate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to cool hand Luke it just a little bit. So, yes. I. I, I understand what you're saying about some of the CGI effects. I'm not going to argue with that. If you think it looks fake, then by all means, like that's if that's taking away from the movie and that acts as some sort of distraction to what's actually supposed to be taking place. Um, you know, CGI is supposed to enhance and basically like assimilate itself into the movie itself and, and complement it and not be like the sole thing that's diverting your attention. So um, you definitely have a, a point there. Like there are some 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 scenes where like it does almost it almost looks like a drone shot of like you know like an aerial view of looking down the plane and the plane does not even look remotely real or like you mentioned like the bugs looking down um uh, i hope everybody has seen this movie because none of this stuff's gonna make sense to you but um basically this is a post-apocalyptic world this is in like uh, i think year 2031 they uh all of humanity that is left it's you know a few hundred or a few thousand people it doesn't really say exactly how many but they're all living on this train it is a self-contained train with several different um you know uh what, what's the word I'm thinking of? Cabin cars, basically. And they're all partitioned off. The poor people live in the back and, it, you know, society changes just like you would see in the world. You know, there's different hierarchies and structures and everything. Well, uh, like what Chris was mentioning with the bugs, uh, basically the people that live in the very back, they eat a protein bar that is ground up cockroaches and lizards and crickets and stuff. It's really disgusting. So um, that's kind of like the haves versus the have nots. And, you know, the CGI in that is pretty awful. I'm not going to lie. Like they, they could have done better with just actual and, bugs. And, and sorry, where do they get the bugs from? It's a frozen world out there, right? Because the right. earth is frozen. Over. Where are these bugs coming from? Where do they keep getting them it, from to mash them up into jello? Well, like I, like I mentioned, it's They're on a freaking train. Just, it's just like a terrarium. It's it's self-contained, so they can replenish those things. They can grow them. It even talks about in the movie how the front of the train, that's where they collect the water. As the snow piercer is bursting through ice and snow that has fallen on the tracks, it's collecting that snow, melting it into ice, or I'm sorry, melting it into water, and then that water is repurposed into, uh, you know, growing these insects, and, you know, insects multiply in- incredibly fast, they're excellent sources of protein. Um, I mean, this this train is, is designed in every sense for balance, and so what, you know, one of the main themes is it, it talks about how, um, you know, there's always going to be like an ordained set. You know, there's always going to be poor people. There are always going to be rich people. There really is no such thing as as upward mobility. Uh, there's no making your own way. Everything is ordained and that's just the way it is. And it tackles the idea of that not being fair at all. But uh, I don't even know like like where to go with this. But there's just so many different things that like it's trying to say with this. And I, I think the fact that it's just... I think you get caught up on the fact that it's just like a sci-fi movie where like everybody's on a train and what in reality it's trying to say a lot more where like Chris Evans character is supposed to be made out uh, as Curtis as like this hero like the dude who's going to you know free all these poor people from the back as they try to push the way to the front of the train and they're going to try to you know overtake power and and fight for their their sense of upward mobility and and free will and autonomy in, in reality, though, like this is a guy who we find out has done like some really, really heinous things like he's he's actually pretty flawed himself. And then him trying to reconcile the fact that he's also not perfect and that everybody in their own sense is kind of only looking out for their best interests. Like he had an opportunity to save his, you know, his best friend's life or basically go after, you know, some other woman who was in charge of the train and seek vengeance on her. And he chooses to go after the woman. It kind of shows, you know, there's a lot more going on to this than meets the eye every single character has like multiple sets of motivations and there's a duality about it that i think is really really smart um i, I mean i i don't know like i said um I, I think we're at an impasse chris when it comes to these movies and it's it's not it's not like i'm exasperated or you know i i don't want to keep doing it but um i think it, it it is good that we kind of turn a new leaf and take like the the podcast like in a different chapter because we're we're kind of like rehashing like the same conversations every single week and you know mostly like this is like this is my fault where, you know, I would mention like, oh, you know, we we're watching like, um, you know, all of your like college humor movies. You know, we would watch three or four of them. And I'm like, you know, that's not really my style. And so what do you do? You recommend The Killing Fields, which is legitimately one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. But it was completely different, but still excellent in a completely different way as well. And like with me, though, like I haven't really adjusted. I haven't really, you know, changed the way, despite like you constantly giving me like feedback, like all the time about how you feel about particular movies. And I don't know. I, I just feel like we've we, we've kind of we've, we've gotten past that. I think I think it's time to uh, I don't know, like I I'm, a, I'm at a point now, like we're, we're halfway through the show. And like I, I almost don't even want to keep talking about the movie because I don't know how to um, 
to make you care about something where it's obvious that you understand all the intricacies to it and like you understand what the movie's trying to say, but it's really just not that compelling of an argument to you. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, and, and I, I think it's interesting like you make a good point. Like the movie does have a lot to say about social commentary. It really, really does. Mm-hmm. And and that's cool because one of the key things that I think is, that this movie kind of drills home to people, if, if people don't understand, because people always think, like you said, there's always going to be poor people, there's always going to be rich people, there's always going to be people that have power, people that don't. And what it really comes down to is it doesn't come down to the things you think it does. You know, and I think that's what this movie kind of puts into perspective. It doesn't come down to like who has more money, who has money, who doesn't have money. You know what it comes down to? It comes down to one thing, access. That's all it is. Whoever Mm -hmm. has access to the water has access to the power. Whoever has access to the front of the train has access to the power. And that's what life is all about. You know, it's 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 that poor people aren't poor because they don't have access to or they don't they don't have more money. It's because they don't have access to things. They don't have access to things to be able to provide, you know, solutions to their problems. So it's all about access. You need access to people. Who are the people that get the jobs in this world? People that know people, people that have access. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that is kind of put into a nutshell in this movie. So from a social commentary point of view, you know, I get it. It's all cool. Going back to my wife, I remember I mentioned every week I've got to like convince her to watch the movie. Like, because like I said, she goes on IMDb literally and she's like, another dystopian future movie. Come on. I'm like, come on, you got to watch it with me. And about 15 minutes into the movie, she just turns to me and she goes, this movie is fucked up. She probably (laughs) went on to say that five more times and she yeah. was by the way she was also cursing your name Yancey because like I've totally blown it with my wife now when it comes to convincing her to watch ending with me anymore so thanks a lot for that by the way um, so I have some questions uh, about this movie that I would like to ask you yeah sure and, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying and by the way I, I'm I'm very very proud of you young man with the the, uh, the approach that you're taking here while you're saying you know what maybe it's time to t- t- turn over a new leaf maybe it's time to try some different things and like I did that early on too and and when we first started doing the podcast I did throw a lot of those kind of sophomore college movies that I love a lot you know like Revenge of the mm-hmm. Nerds and stuff like that and Airplane and Blazing Saddles because I really love those movies a lot and, and I, I really wanted you to see them because I wanted a millennial's take on that kind of humor how it fits into the world today and but then yeah I kind of turned things up because we went we, we, should, we did Jaws and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and I've really tried to mix things up a lot and just movies that, that just I really really love and that mean a lot to me and mean a lot to Gen X is what I've always trying to try to throw at you and so so i'm very proud that you're willing to take the you know looking mm-hmm. at some other things because there's lots of other movies that that to me mean a lot about uh millennials well, you know what we should do you know what maybe what we could do is we could kick things off by me recommending one to you that's a millennial movie we'll get to that at the end let me know if just two on that for a bit till the end of the show and tell me if you're open okay. to the concept and at the end i'll nominate a millennial film to you because I know what you like and what you don't like and I know where your interests are and I think I have a movie that I would like you to watch it's a millennial film that you have not seen and uh, think about that okay and so we get to the end of the show let me know if you think that's cool and I'll nominate a millennial film for you to watch that you haven't seen yet kind of flip things on its head Um, but anyway um, the question that I have is we talk often on this show about the rewatchability of movies. And the mm-hmm. thing that strikes me, and I go through this, it's like a broken record. I know that. But this really struck home with me watching this movie. How could you watch this movie more than once? And I'm not trying to be like a jerk. I'm not trying to, you know, like, I'm, I honestly, like, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure I could watch that movie again. So what is it about that movie that you would like to watch more than once? Like, what is it about the film that that gets you because I, I, I could answer like I, I could take a half an hour to tell you why I watch Revenge of the Nerds a million times but I'm curious right. to know why you would watch Snowpiercer more than once um, I think it's just the little pieces of dialogue and like the single lines that certain characters have um, and how uh, characters are introduced and then taken away from you really quickly but you think that they're just throwaway characters when in actuality they're, they're saying something very specific um, like I'll give you an example the older couple whenever the people walk up to the um, you know to this whole group of people and say does anybody play a violin and everybody you know nobody says anything and finally an old man walks up and he's like yeah I, I was a first chair for this major symphony in a past life and everybody looks at him like you you know like this disgusting um, you know just you know, he, he looks like a, a homeless old man, you know, dirty and dis, disheveled everything. He's like, yeah, of course I could play. And then so you see him later in the film where he's completely clean cut and, you know, like a full tuxedo and he can play the piss out of a violin. And it it seems like such a throwaway, but it's it, it's kind of telling you 
oh, okay, like there is so much more to people than their upbringing, than their surroundings, than uh, whatever, you know, habitat sounds a little um, impersonal, but whatever whatever situation a person is in, it is very easy and very possible to pigeonhole them in that and to see them just as that. You know, um, like I grew up in Florida and, you know, F- Florida kind of has like this reputation as being this really ass backwards, kind of crazy as hell state. And most of that is warranted, but, you know, some of the, you know, there are a lot of a, a really amazing, intelligent people that come from Florida. You know, it is a hodgepodge of all these different places, but, um, you know, don't pigeonhole somebody because of that. And, you know, appearances especially. So, like, that was one little line that um, almost seemed like a throwaway that was really forgettable, but was trying to harken back to the point that, you know, like you mentioned access and stuff. Uh, the only thing that was keeping that guy from, you know, being at the front of the train and being in a much higher status was the fact that he got put in the back of the train. There wasn't an intelligence deficiency. There wasn't a skill or talent or artistic uh, deficiency. It was simply the access that he had to the front versus the back of the train. So there's little there's little things like that that it says with these characters and their interactions that I just think is super, super interesting. Um, it's like The Matrix, and it's... You know, there's constantly different things that you can pull from it and different metaphors. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of different ways you can think of. And if you if you make up your mind that you're going to focus on a separate uh, main character or, you know, supporting character that's throughout the whole movie, I think you can glean a lot more from it. So that that's kind of why I like this. And I honestly like I know you're saying like it doesn't really bring a lot new to it. I think just the idea of itself, the actual premise of this movie is it's super super original i've never really you know heard of anything like that and funny thing is like as like an actual origin story um this is like a i, I don't know you if millennials and your origin stories i tell you I, I i know but i'm talking about as a movie as a whole mm-hmm. so this is a south korean production right it was the most expensive movie it had a 40 million dollar budget it was the most expensive movie ever produced in south korea it's also one of the highest grossing of all time that came purely from south korea um so it's a south korean sci-fi post-apocalyptic i can talk action film but it's based on a french graphic novel (laughs) it also stars americans you know (laughs) which is it's just such a weird hodgepodge of um, you know, Korean uh, writing and, and acting based on a French graphic novel. There's just so much going on to it. It's such a, a an interesting hodgepodge of all these different voices and hands that, that are involved in it. And somehow, to me, I think it all coalesces really nicely and makes just like a really interesting piece of art. But that's, yeah, that's like the main the main feelings that I have. Yeah, your, your take on a movie's rewatchability is just so starkly different than mine. Mine is, my take on watching a movie and over and over again is like comfort food. You know, it's 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 just it's familiar and it's just fun yeah. to go there again. And it's just very comforting. It's comforting to watch Back to the Future again because I've seen it before. And it's just it's a comfort food kind of thing. Can I, Your take. Can I, can I, what's that? Can I just attack that really quickly? Of course. You off? Yep. So so this let's let's let the audience in. I'm so not good at podcasting or radio or speaking in good points and then kicking it back to you. We, we talk about this a lot. OK. Uh, there's a little bit of like an intimidation factor every time I get on a podcast because I don't I, I cannot make it free flowing like you can make it. OK, um, what am I trying to say with this? So well, we're just having a conversation, though. It seems so, like it's going yeah, good. So, <laughs> so as as you as you just mentioned, like you're, you're talking about what you get out of it is like comfort food mm-hmm. and stuff and how how your viewing experience differs so much from mine. And that's 100 percent true. If there is one thing that I absolutely cannot handle i cannot take it is being comfortable and it is the same experience that's not a knock on you that's not a knock on Mm -hmm. anybody else but that's just your thing yeah yeah my greatest fear in life is comfort you know complacency uh a a routine i'm mired in a routine in my professional life you know my schedule is all over the place but you know i've i've worked in the same job for 12 and a half years um you know since i was a child almost like 18 years old and the idea that like i'm now going to like i'm going to indulge in the types of pop culture that are familiar and comforting to me and are the same thing and i know what to expect and i know what to think and like i'm going to watch this comedy and i'm going to laugh at the same jokes every single time i see the movie and there you know it's it's all at surface level and i'm not really thinking about like what else was this uh, you know the director trying to say or you know are there things more to this that meets the eye like that like that whole movie going experience is so vastly different to me and you know it's hard to find that 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 much depth and complexity uh you know to 
to airplane you know a, a comedy that even i admitted that i loved but how you say like you know i love the comfort movies and i could watch them over and over again i loved airplane and i laughed my ass off chris but i don't know if i could watch airplane multiple times you see what i'm saying it's mm-hmm. just this, it's, just, it's, really, it's a personal thing it, it's not a millennial it thing. really is a personal yeah. thing it's just crazy how much uh how, how how people differ you know if you go to this is why I, I don't like to read reviews to movies before i go see them if you if chris mcbrian wrote a review for snowpiercer and that was the only review that somebody first of all first of all it would be watched. called it would be called piercer yeah. <laughs> Half a star. <laughs> Chris McBrien were the only person. I know I'm talking a lot tonight. I'm sorry. I keep I keep cutting over you. But no, if Chris McBrien wrote a review online and somebody went and they're like, hey, let's watch this. And they and the only piece of information they had was the review that you left them. Piercer. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Piercer. They're never going to watch that movie. Whereas, you know, like with me, like if you if same thing with one of your movies that I, I was just kind of tepid on. I didn't really think that it was, you know, that great or I understood what they were saying, but I didn't think it was that funny or I didn't think it, it worked very well. You know, two different types of people getting that one review, like you're you're shutting out an entire populace of people who are their taste may be different, but you know, ninety five percent of people in Rotten Tomatoes like this movie. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. in, in, in a way like I'm in the minority, I know. Point, but but your but your viewpoint is valuable to certain people because there's people who have uh, tastes that are exactly like yours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I guess that's the long way of me trying to say that that like I, I think that is kind of what makes the show work a little bit is that we are so vastly different and we're not really we're exposing each other to different things, but we're not we're not fundamentally changing who the other person is. You see yep. what I'm saying? And, and the thing is, yeah, we're, we're incredibly different. We have completely different worldviews of, you know, things that we love and our different takes and movies. But I still love you. So that's what makes it so like, good. Likewise. The feeling is mutual. Um, so I have some questions, too, um, because I just need these answered. Because, like, what was the deal with the fish? So you remember there was that scene where they, they were going to have this big battle and they got this fish and they were cutting it up and they were putting the blood on their knives before the fight? Do you remember that? It was in the fight. Remember that they were fighting and they stopped for that New Year's celebration? Again, seriously messed right. up. But like, what, what was that all about? You, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about? You know the scene? Yeah. So what there's – All right. So I think what it was is – so you have this large catfish and uh, the the antagonist on this, I think it has something to do with the um, – the fish is basically a metaphor where they're gutting the fish and you know they're cutting it. From the, the the middle of the gut of the fish all the way down to the back, which is the tail, and of course they keep referring to the movie over and over again as like the tail of the of the tr- of the train, right? The back of the train, the tail, the tail end. That's that's the the, the lowest common denominator of this entire train. That's where all of the trash is. Um, I don't know if that's one hundred percent like exactly what it was, but I think it's just saying that it is actually the tail end of the section or like even when they talk about um, when, when, when they're eating sushi and they're talking about how oh, we can only uh, have this sushi twice a year because we have to control the population. I think that the fish itself is actually like a, it, it's a, it's symbolizing the people themselves about how this is a calculated purging of the lower population of people in order to keep everything in balance. Does that wow. make sense? Wow, you're reading a lot into them cutting up a fish, and maybe you're right. I don't know. So, what's the deal with Tilda Swinton's teeth? I mean, they're all messed up. Like she's got these like crazy British teeth, and then she takes them out, and they're false teeth. So, I mean, if you're going to get false teeth put in, why would you? Why would you get a set of teeth that makes you look like sloth from the Goonies? Speaking of which, by the way, man, I really miss reviewing a good movie like that, like that one. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> but anyway, no, no. So what was the deal with that? Like, that seemed really odd to me, too. Like, I don't know if you have an answer for that. And the other thing that struck me as being really weird was they're, they're, they're working their way up to the front of the train, right? And they're going through all these cars. And then they all of a sudden come across this, like, rave party. And it's, again, I, right. I think it was another moment when my wife turned to me and was like, man, this movie is f- up, you know? <laughs> so that, there was just so many weird, weird parts. I... I really hate to say it, like, um, it's two hours of my life that I will never get back. That's what I, mm-hmm. that's what I think. I mean, and then there was the scene at the end. I remember they make the train crash. The train crashes. And then the screen goes black and silent. And there's a long pause. And I was like, oh, thank God. The movie's over. The torture stops. And then, like, I'm like, it's finally mercifully over. And then... Oh no, there's more. It just keeps going. I'm like, oh man, it's literally the f-ing stupidest movie I've ever seen in my life. And then <laughs> the end of the movie I want to know about because they get off the train 
and there's a polar bear there. And I, and I know you like these like open-ended movie endings where things are kind of left open to interpretation. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm curious to know what, what's your take on the end of the movie with the polar bear? What, what, what does that mean to you? Um, well, just to backtrack just a little bit, I think okay. the rave that you saw them yep. walking through, they're basically just trying to show like the level of involvement and struggle that people have in life. So whereas you have one class in the back of the train that is literally eating protein bars that are ground up bugs, they live in complete um, just filth and everything like their lives are as as just decrepit as humanly possible. Whereas you have other people just hundreds of feet away. Um, I mean, it's, it really is like an, a, a perfect metaphor for life where, um, you know, there's people just a hundred feet away on the same train living in excess and literally they're, they're preoccupied with, um, dancing and music and, uh, you know, doing drugs and going to raves. And I, I think it's literally just showing that like, there's this whole world going around people and there's, you know, your involvement with like the plight of people below you um, is totally up to you kind of thing. I think that that's what it was trying to say. Yeah. As far as um, Mason's teeth being taken out, I guess that has something to do with the fact that um, like she kept she kept saying things and then, uh, you know, being called out on those things or as, as they keep pushing through the train and stuff keeps happening or like the guy shows up with eggs and all of a sudden there's guns and, you know, uh, it's basically I think it's saying that like she's she says one thing and she does another. There's kind of like this duality to everything that she says and she's not being completely truthful. So it's almost like everything that's coming out of her mouth is fake. <laughs> if that makes sense, that's how I interpreted it. Like and then you literally see that she takes out her dentures, which I didn't realize, but she actually wears dentures. Those are real. Um, <laughs> never knew that. But I think that's just like a, a testament to, like I said, that she's playing a part that everything that comes out of her mouth is fabricated. It is it's something that is calculated and is she's trying to convey an image or a thought that may not necessarily be true. And it's not how things really are. Yeah. But why, um, why wouldn't she just have like if she's going to get dentures, why wouldn't she have them that makes her teeth look good? Not all crooked and brown and like anyway, just that I, I that I was that was the thing. That was my takeaway yeah. from it. So what about the polar um, bear? Tell me what you think about the a, polar bear. Ending. I just I'm dying to know. I, about the polar bear. Um, so they talk about how uh, the other Asian gentleman that's in the movie um, that is like the, the the guy that's breaking through the doors and stuff. Right. He does talk about how every single year um, they cross this one bridge at the exact same time and everybody counts down from 10. It's like the new year. They know it takes exactly a year to traverse the entire rail system and, you know, go all the way around the world. So. He says that every single year he looks down uh, below this bridge where there was a plane crash. And, he, at, you know, several years ago, 10, 15 years ago, all he saw was the very, you know, the, the highest wing tipping out of the snow. And then each year he sees more and more, which shows that, hey, the snow is melting. The earth is gradually you know, coming back down from like this this torrential uh, freezing that occurred and killed off a lot of life. And he talks about how, you know, the Inuits and the Eskimo, like they were able to survive and, and stuff like that. And they got out of the train and tried to flee and you know they weren't strong enough but eventually they would be and then he talks about how you know there are things out there that can survive that and he believes that they can and like basically that while people think that it's their destiny to remain inside the train um you know that polar bear is a testament to the fact that life can and will prevail it will survive outside of this controlled condition so it's like that was yeah that's what i thought that's yeah that's what i thought when i saw it yeah yeah, so it, it's just showing. It's like, hey, listen, like life goes on. Like there is life out here. Like if you're willing to accept it and you're, you know, you take on this challenge, like it will happen. I, I love the fact that it. I, I know you hate like the the ambiguous ending, but I love the ambiguous ending. I love that you can make that whatever you want. Like, do they walk out and then you know, 15 minutes later they die in the snow, or is it something where they're going to find a way for themselves? You know, are they going to make it? That that polar bear is a symbol of life. free will and yeah. you know, just life, life in general. Of life goes on. So and I and I, and I, I kind of thought that when I saw that 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 and that's the closing scene, right? They walk out, they see the polar bear, and I thought right away, I thought you know. Yancey's take on this, and I think most people's take on this when they see the movie, they realize that that means the planet can sustain life. Life mm-hmm. can find a way on this planet. But that's not my take on the end of the movie. My take on the end of the movie was they walk out, they see the polar bear, the polar bear eats them. Okay? <laughs> like, tell me, like, that's, like, you walk out, there's a polar bear there, there's hardly any other life on the on the planet, the polar bear's going to be friggin' hungry, he's going to see them, that polar bear's taking them down. 
that was my take. I was like, they're going to get honestly, eaten by the an, polar bear. Another beautiful metaphor for life, yeah. Chris. Exactly. If that were the case, it would have been a, it would have been a fitting end for the movie. They deserve to die <laughs> because they put me the 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 torture and the pain that they put me through. They should have been mauled to death by the polar bear. They, now that would have been a cool ending. That's the way it should have gone. <laughs> yeah. What was your rating out of ten for the movie? What would you give it out of ten? Um. So. Uh, originality i think it's there um on a limited budget i think there's a lot of really really cool stuff with this um from stylistic preferences uh there's a little you know there's some things that they could have done here and there to make it look a little better like you mentioned like some of the cgi that's a little questionable um some of the casting was a little awkward in this some of the some of the acting was a little awkward by no means is this a perfect science fiction movie uh hence why i've recommended you know, at this point, dozens before this one. Uh, it's a movie I like a lot, but it's I wouldn't put it on the you know the the pantheon of like the greatest science fiction movies of all time. But from the last ten to fifteen years, I I think it cracks you know like the top one hundred movies. Um, I would give this like a solid like seven point eight, seven point nine, not quite an eight, but definitely above average, definitely well thought out. Um, I mean, like like we mentioned at the top of the show, critically acclaimed, the audiences loved it. Um, you aside, I think most people would enjoy this movie and they mm-hmm. could get a lot out of it. But I think it's just a really original. Um, I, I didn't even tell you this, but I, I had never seen an advertisement for this. I didn't see it in theaters. I had never even heard of it. I just happened to see it suggested on Netflix a couple of years ago. Like it just popped up, like almost like one of those like straight to DVD, DVD movies. And by some you know act of God, I decided to actually sit down and watch it, thinking that it looked like a stupid, cheesy, low budget, you know, just garbage B movie, like straight to DVD B, B movie, and was pleasantly surprised with with how smart and just original it was so i'll give it like a 7.9 and uh definitely some room for improvement but overall a really really solid science fiction movie well, before i give my rating for the movie i wanted to share a little story so the other weekend uh you would give me the movie to watch and you know whatever i watched it and then my wife and i had a chance to go away for a night we had a night alone my parents came and looked after the kids and my wife and i got to go away to toronto we went down we saw a blue jays game we got a hotel it was great we get back to the hotel room Get in the room. I turn the TV on after the, the Jays game. We get back to our room. I turn the TV on, and guess what's on TV? Snowpiercer is on really? TV. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no. And she's like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm like, I know. And then the funniest thing was is like about 10 seconds later, I get a text, and it's from Caveman. And came and goes, hey, man, Snowpiercer is on TV. <laughs> I said, I know. Because you know, he knew that we were doing this show. It was just, ah, oh. it was like, it was perfect timing. It was so funny. You know what? So the next time we have Caveman <laughs> on, I will guarantee you. Oh, yeah. I will guarantee you when we have Caveman on, he will, he will like Snowpiercer. Oh, I, I can guarantee. You know this is going to oh, happen, yeah. right? Oh, he'll like it. I, I know he will. <laughs> um, so my original thought was I'd give it a 2 out of 10, but no, I'm going to give it a decimal point five out of 10. A point five. Yeah, it's time now for some fun with Yancey. Okay, so what I decided to do was, since this movie was so colossally bad, and, no, well, at least I don't really give a shit about trivia for this movie, um, I'm going to go a different way this week, okay? <laughs> I hope you don't mind. What I decided if, if, to do... If we do... If we do Pokemon or drug again... No, no, we're not doing I don't know, Pokemon. that's... Okay. Pokemon or drug is always fun to do. But this one... So, as you know, I love the $100,000 Pyramid Game show. And I'm talking about the one from the 80s with Dick Clark. Not that stupid remake with that football player or whoever the hell that guy is. So, in the spirit of the 80s game show classic, I thought we might play a game this week of the winner's circle of the $100,000 Pyramid. And I got thinking... As I mentioned at the top of the show, Snowpiercer has one word in the title. So I thought what I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge you to see if you can name other movies that also only have one word in the title. Okay? And what better way to do this than in the style of the winner's circle from the $100,000 pyramid? So this is how it works, Yancey. I'm going to give you clues, and all you have to do is name the movie that has a one-word title. Super easy, right? I give it you the sounds clues. easy in yeah, theory. It's nice and easy. In theory, it's simple. I give you clues. You name the movie. And just keep in the back of your mind, the movie has one word in the title. Okay? Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Go. Ship. Dawson. Titanic. Yes. Shider. Amity, 
Shark. Spielberg. Oh, Jaws. Yes. Ridley Scott. Space. Creature. Alien. Musical. Rydell High. Pink Ladies. Grease. Burt Reynolds. John Voight. Ned Beatty. Redneck Ned Beatty. <laughs> Ned Beatty <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> River Trip. Banjos. Uh, Banjos. River Trip. Oh, um. John uh, Voight. John yes, Voight. Yes, um. Why can't I think of the name of this movie? Pass. Shitty movie. Crap. Boring. Snowpiercer. Yes! You got it! You want to go back to what Deliverance. you Deliverance. Yes, Deliverance! Awesome. Oh, man, you got them all. We made it to the top of the pyramid, and you got the money. You made me watch them. I'm the one that should get the $100,000 for having to watch this crappy movie. So <laughs> what I thought was uh, for next show, we, we don't have a movie lined up because we're going to go back to you know our other format, which we, we do. We do a movie of yours, a movie of mine, and then we do like a random topic. And uh, we mentioned K-Man earlier, and he had mentioned uh, to me that he listened to the uh, superhero show that we did. And he said that he wanted to come on and he wanted to do a superheroes revisited. So we'd like to come on because I think he's a big fan of superhero movies. I don't like them. You didn't really necessarily like superhero movies either. And I think he wanted to come in and maybe, maybe defend the genre. I don't know. He just said, I want to come on and talk about superhero movies with you guys. So if you're up for it, maybe we can ask him to come back. What do you think? I am up for it. Um, we knew this was coming. We knew he would take umbrage with the fact that uh, <laughs> we besmirched <coughs> comic book movies. Right. I see him like on Facebook going to conventions and uh, seminars and, you know, public speaking engagements for comic book movies and stuff. So I imagine he has quite a lot to say. So let's so, bring it. OK, so we'll bring him on for sure. And we'll get him to do that. And um, and like I said, we'll we'll put that together. I'll get him on as soon as possible. And then uh, he's always a great guest. He always does a good job when he comes on here. So we'll talk about mm-hmm. uh, superhero movies again. We'll rehash those out a little bit, get his take on things and maybe defend our stance in the process. So uh, that's it. It's time to wrap things up. So um, if anybody wants to reach us, you can get us on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Head over to popgoesyourworld.com. All of our information is on there. As I mentioned at the top of the show, think about going to podcastawards.com and nominate Pop Goes Your World in the entertainment category. If you have one minute, it's all it takes. Like Yancey said, it really, really helps us out around here spreading the word of the show. Until next time, this is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 